All right. Well, we have been telling a story the last few weeks in this series for King and Country, and I think it's really, really important. The Bible is a, a great narrative of redemption. From beginning to end, there's a theme that runs through the, all of Scripture. And how many of you know Jesus Christ runs through all of Scripture? He's the great red theme of redemption. If you want to know how to read the Old Testament, look for Jesus. Uh, because there are types and shadows and pictures of Christ all through the Old Testament. But how I many you know with the 66 books of the Bible, there's one message that's being released, and that's a message of God, the great King of all the earth, uh, sending His Son, Jesus Christ, on a redemption assignment. And then this is where we come in because part of that redemption assignment on the, at the cross was to purchase a people for himself and to establish the message of the gospel of the kingdom throughout the whole earth. And the gospel of the kingdom is the hope for planet earth. It is the message that Jesus Christ saves, Jesus Christ heals, Jesus Christ sets the captives free, Jesus Christ delivers, Jesus Christ restores. He is the great hope of the world, and we get to share the good news. And as we're going to see as we move along in this series, that, that is the mission that we have been given. And it should be good news for you guys because I'm trying to rescue you from a life of religious boredom. Well, I got saved when I was seven, and now I just go to church services. Come on. We have, we have a much better, more exciting calling than that. Uh, and, and, and when you understand that, then you can rightfully align yourself in the mission. And how many know if you live on mission, you won't waste your life? And let me tell you something else. If you live on mission, you will not be bored ever in your life. Because following Jesus and actually doing and replicating what Jesus did is exciting. I've heard people say, and I've been guilty of this before, you say things like, man, I just wish I would have lived during Jesus this time. I wish I could have been one of those early disciples. No, you don't wish that because Jesus was freaking you out every day. He was blowing your mind. He was calling you in to do things that you are like, what? Uh, he's bringing you in dangerous situations. He's speaking to storms. He's being, they're trying to kill him every time he does something great. The religious people are all trying to kill him. You all read the same New Testament I do. And you're hanging out with him and you're going, oh, this is fun. No, it's not. You would have been scared out of your mind. What are you talking about? And then when he says, even as, you know, even as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. What are you talking about? I'm just trying to keep it real. So I'm just telling you, when you got born again, God took you out of one kingdom and put you into another kingdom. And, uh, and war is going on. I can't think, you know, the, the songs we sang today were such militant songs. I loved it. I loved it. We went from one kicking song to the next, and it's not even 9 o'clock in the morning yet. Are you kidding me? And I get to do this three times a day. I mean, pray for me. I get... But we, uh, we got set up for where we are in our message today because last week, I'm trying to keep building, all right? We're going somewhere. Last week, we saw that the entire message of the Old Testament was to point forward to the coming of a king, a Messiah king, a savior king, who would enable God's rule to be established once again on planet Earth. Remember, the whole point of the garden was God Almighty, the king of glory, the king of, of creation, established Adam and Eve as his regents, as his ambassadors to rule and to reign on planet Earth. 
And I share with you, the fall was not a fall from heaven. The fall was a fall from dominion. And we went from being royalty to being slaves. We went from being sons and daughters of the king with a task to fill the earth with the glory of the Lord and to extend his kingdom to being abject slaves in total poverty, spiritually cut off from God. And so the Old Testament is a time of preparation and a pointing forward to hope. Everybody's hoping, everybody's looking for the Messiah. I gave you some, just a, a sampling of prophetic uh, verses from the prophets last week. Isaiah, we talked about. Daniel, we talked about. They saw that this king was coming, this king whose dominion was without end, who, whose, whose, whose throne and, and his authority would be established, uh, that there were no rivals to that throne, and, and that king would be established, and he would rule and reign forever and ever and ever. How many of you saw all through the Old Testament? That's what they're looking for. Amen. And so John the Baptist comes along, and boy, I, I, wish, I wish the band could just keep singing that, that song. Every mountain be made low, valleys be lifted up. What's going on here? Well, that, that, that was the message of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was a supernatural character. I mean, you know, John was conceived uh, by a miracle. His mother was barren. He was, he was a miraculous messenger. And don't you love the fact that when John is in his mama's womb and Mary comes with Jesus in her womb, John starts jumping for joy and doing cartwheels in, in his mother's womb uh, because literally he's, he came into the presence of the great king, all right, the promised Messiah. And you talk about ladies, if you've ever had those knees and elbows and it seems like there's a a war going on in your womb. I can't imagine what, what Elizabeth was feeling when John the Baptist was doing his, uh, his gig, all right, in the womb. Um, but you remember the message of John the Baptist. We sang about this morning, Hail, hail, Lion of Judah. Let the lion roar. Prepare the way for the arrival of the king. That was John's message. And we saw the promise fulfilled. Luke chapter 1, look with me. Luke chapter 1 on the screen. I believe we have it up there. Verses 31 through 33. This was one of the first declarations in the New Testament concerning the arrival of King Jesus. You will conceive and give birth to a son, the angel speaking to Mary. You're going to call him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. You can see in the language of just these couple verses that there's not only a Messiah, but there's a Messiah who is a king. Look, look with me. The, the Messianic king has a name. His name is Jesus. Can we just establish that right now? There is no other name given among men by which salvation can happen other than the name of Jesus. Jesus is the King of kings and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I want to remind you that during the Revolutionary War, the cry of the patriots uh, in the face of King George, who was a tyrant, the cry was, we have no king but Jesus. That's what they said to the English, all right, to the British. Uh, we have no king but Jesus. Uh, he will be God's son. Notice he's the son of the Most High. He's going to have a kingdom. He's going to be given the throne of his ancestor David. In fact, David is a beautiful Old Testament type and shadow of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Uh, 
And look at the last promise. King Jesus will reign forever, and his kingdom will never end. And lastly, this king will also be a savior. The name Jesus means Jehovah saves. So in this one little section, we get a picture of what this, who this king is, what he stands for. He's unique because he's a savior king, and we're going to get into that in the next few weeks. Uh, we have to be saved before we can enter the kingdom. But I want you to see what's coming out of Jesus' mouth, his first words, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. This is what Jesus says, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near or at hand. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So here's the good news. God didn't give up on us. He said he's going to pursue us. He's going to send his son. Jesus is coming now. He's preaching that the kingdom is at hand or in your midst, and he asks us to do two things. There's, there's two things that are required for us as it relates to entering the kingdom. The first one is repent. Repent simply means to change your mind or to change your purpose. And so three areas, Jesus said, needed to be changed. We need to change our allegiance. How many of you know a person who does not believe in Christ and has not submitted to Christ is not an atheist or an agnostic. They're a self-worshipper. Their allegiance is to themselves. Their loyalty is to themselves. There are really no atheists, those who don't believe in God, it's just they're their own God, and they don't recognize it. Everybody believes in God. They just get the wrong one, all right? Uh, and people that say, well, I'm an agnostic are lying too, because when push comes to shove, they're not, it's not that they're not sure if there's a God. No, there is a God. It's them, all right? Uh, it, until you repent and until you change your mind and until you come under the lordship of King Jesus, you're still lost. So we repent of our sins, and the second thing we have to do is believe. That word believe doesn't mean just intellectual belief, because how many of you know Satan believes in Jesus? It is the full embrace of the heart that is required. An intellectual assent followed by a full embrace of the heart. And how many of you know only the Holy Spirit can do that in us? Only the Holy Spirit can take our blinders off. Only the Holy Spirit can let us see Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can awaken our heart to godly affection. Now, I shared with some of, some of my guys in our discipleship group this week, we had the most amazing time with some couples from our church, and one of the couples was in a really, really bad place about a year ago. There were some alcohol issues. The relationship was pretty much dead, um, but they showed back up at church. Now, how many of you know showing up is the first step? I see some of my friends from the Y. Hey, showing up is the first step, all right? You got to walk through the door, amen? But here's what happens when you present yourself before the king. How many of you know in an atmosphere of worship, the, the environment is pregnant with the presence of God? Did anybody sense the Holy Spirit came to church this morning? Come on. And when you present yourself in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit begins to rain on you. And with that old dry and hard and dusty and cruddy heart begins to get soft. Have any, uh, any men in here, don't have to raise your hand, but I um, know I'm not the only one. When you're in the presence of Jesus, all that tough, hard, bravado exterior, starts, he starts to break it down. 
And all of a sudden, you start to feel things you never felt before. All of a sudden, your heart starts to come alive. And all of a sudden, these things called tear ducts, which you haven't used for decades, (laughs) they start getting moist. And so this is what happened over our Mexican dinner. We asked this dear brother to lead us in prayer. And he said, oh, I don't pray very good in English. And he said, can I pray in Spanish? We said, absolutely, pray in Spanish. We paused there and bowed our head at the fat burrito. (laughs) And we bowed our head. Hallelujah for the fat burrito. All right. And, uh, And he prayed the most beautiful, sincere prayer. And then my brother Eli, who uh, d- did the translation for us, he said, Pastor, let me tell you what he prayed. And he, he translated the prayer. And here we are in the, in the midst of this wonderful Mexican restaurant. As Eli translated the prayer, this other brother just started weeping and turned and grabbed Eli. And they sat there in the restaurant and just bawled like a bunch of babies. These are two grown men at the Fat Burrito having a Holy Spirit encounter. Because... The alcohol, the alcohol stronghold was broken. Why are people retreating to alcohol? It's because you're in pain. It's because you're not happy. It's because you're trying to medicate the pain. But what you really need is a king to set you free and to change your heart. Come on. So this man had a change of allegiance. And now check this out. He said, it's amazing. All of our kids that have been wayward are starting to come back into the fold. It's amazing how the king can bring order in your life when you align yourself under his authority. And so Jesus says, change your honor and your, lo- and your loyalty and your obedience and direct it to Christ. Be obedient to him. Honor him. Be loyal to him. He said, change your priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God. Has anybody experienced the favor of God, the blessing of God, the goodness of God, when you stop trying to meet your own needs first and you were concerned about what does God want done? What does his word say in this situation? When you align yourself with the priorities of heaven, God's blessing flows through your life. You're saying, Pastor, are you preaching a prosperity gospel? Absolutely I am. I'm telling you that when you align your life with his priorities, God's word says he will take care of you. And I've been on this planet long enough. I'm going to just act like I'm speaking with authority up here because you can only speak in the degree of authority that you've actually experienced what you're talking about. And I'm just telling you, like David said, I was once young and now I am old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. That's what David said. And I can say amen to the same thing. So change your allegiance. Change your priorities. Change your mission. What did Jesus say to the first guys that he called? He said, hey, I know you enjoy fishing. There's nothing the matter with catching fish. But I want to teach you how to catch people. All you fishermen, chill out. I didn't condemn you. I didn't didn't make anybody feel guilty. I just enjoyed some great salmon yesterday. Hallelujah for all the fishermen. But I mean, you can still fish for fish, but your primary calling is to catch people. Catch people for the kingdom of God. And so look at what Jesus does. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee. What's he doing? Teaching in the synagogues. And announcing, here's what he's announcing, the good news about the kingdom. And he healed 
every kind of disease and illness. Now, most churches do a good job of proclamation. We don't do such a good job of demonstration. How many of you feel like you could share the gospel with somebody? Like you could pretty much, you could lay it out there, you could lead somebody to Christ. I hope we, we want to get you all to where we can do that because how many of you know that's the mission? But Jesus didn't just talk about good news. He demonstrated it. And, uh, and every, every demonstration, as we're going to see next week, every demonstration was a direct frontal assault on Satan's kingdom. And what it was, when Jesus spoke to the oppressed and they were set free, that meant the devil was on the run. Jesus came, said, I got good news for you. If you're oppressed, you don't have to be oppressed. He spoke, people were set free. The demonic spirits took off. They were freaking out. They were getting their tail ends kicked, all right? And that's exactly what we were, our message was this morning. How many of you know it's good to sing warfare songs? Not because we're strong, but because our king is strong and we're, we're following him, which means we're sons and daughters of the Most High, which means he's strong, we're strong, come on. He sent his spirit in us. The Holy Spirit comes with power. And he brings the ability to demonstrate and enforce the authority of our king. And, and so that's all Jesus did. He said, let me tell you about how good God is, how good the Father is. Let me tell you what his plan is for your life. And then he began to minister to people. And then the kingdom was demonstrated, and people just said, wow. What did they say about Jesus? We have never heard somebody speak with this kind of authority. Because, listen, the other people told stories. Stories are okay. How many of you have ever been to Bible study? Stories are good. But if you tell the story only and you don't expect that the Lord wants to touch people, we're really delivering an incomplete message. What good is good news if it never touches you? It's just good theory. But theory doesn't help you when you're in trouble. You don't need good theory. You don't even need good theology only. You need good theology that's backed up by the power of God. And so this is where we're growing. This is where we're growing. So take a look. This gospel is literally good news that the arrival of the kingdom is now here. Take a look at what happened with Jesus in Luke chapter 4, chapter four verses 18 and 19. He comes into the temple, and he picks up the scroll and starts reading from the prophet Isaiah and as, the, as would happen in, uh, on their worship, you would read and then you would expound. And so he reads the scroll. This is what he read. He's reading from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, what happened before Jesus quotes this? He's baptized by John, not for the forgiveness of Jesus' sins. He was sinless, but he was identifying with our humanity. He comes up out of the water, and then I want you to see what happens. There is an empowering with and by the Holy Spirit... Jesus is baptized in the Holy Spirit. God the Father screams from heaven, that's my son in whom I am well pleased. Amen? And then the Bible says the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. What happened in the wilderness? He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, went without food and water 40 days and 40 nights. How many know that's supernatural? But he did what Moses and the children of Israel failed to do and caused them to walk in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus in 40 days defeated the devil at every turn, and he comes out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
he heads straight to the synagogue, and he, he makes this declaration. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. How many of you know we cannot replicate the ministry of Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit coming upon us and anointing us with power from on high? Amen? So we're going to talk about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit being a gateway into more effective and more powerful ministry and a greater flow of the gifts of the Holy Spirit through our lives, all right? That's all. I'm, I'm wetting your appetite. Hopefully, we'll be done by the time the new building is dedicated next June, all right? I'm kidding. All right. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. This is great news. Captives being released. Blind will see oppressed, set free, and he declares, listen to this, the time of the Lord's favor has come. Yes. Now, now, I want to declare over you this morning, we are living in the time of the Lord's favor. We really don't need to say, God, grant us your favor, because since Jesus blew the heavens wide open, came out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, read that verse, and then you, you remember what he said next. This is where the hometown boy got into trouble because he's speaking this at his hometown. Luke 4, 21 says, Jesus goes, today, this scripture is being fulfilled as you hear it. That's where he went from storytelling to trouble because the hometown boy that everybody knew as the furniture maker's kid just said, this verse is now fulfilled, and you're watching it. The year of the favor, the season, the time of the favor of God is now. Do you understand what a, what a momentous occasion this is? Jesus is changing all of human history. We're no longer looking for the promised king, the promised kingdom. Jesus says, it's at hand. John's saying, he's coming. Prepare the way. He's coming. Repent. Get your hearts right. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Who's coming? The Messiah king is coming. And now Jesus says, I'm here. I'm here. Ooh, I feel this right now. We are living under the canopy of the goodness and the favor and the blessing of God. Amen. This is what it means to be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of, of his dear son, Jesus. And so Jesus made the response to his own person and his message the determining factor for entrance into the kingdom. And this is important. Jesus said the true sons of the kingdom are those who respond to him and accept his word. In other words, the, the Jews said, well, we're, our father is Abraham. You know, we come from Abraham. Jesus goes, no, 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 no. The true sons of the kingdom are those who listen to what I just have to say and who submit to my rule and reign and who stop their treason and stop their rebellion and obey me and honor me and come under my authority. You're the true sons of the kingdom. So let's listen to this. This means all of our ethnic geopolitical boundaries, okay, wherever you came from, that does not determine your grace or your standing or your favor before God. I just got to yell this because we got people trying to divide us as Americans, all right, in this country over race. God does not see racial division. In fact, it has nothing to do with the kingdom. 
we're all from the same family, and we all have the same father. It's the devil that's trying to separate us. And listen, the message we carry is part of the healing for our nation. It's the church. It's the message of the gospel. Um, Jesus said, it doesn't matter if you're born a Jew. That's not how you experience the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. You must be born again. And so he obliterates Jew and Gentile because they're all coming in by the blood of Jesus, which we sang about this morning. Wasn't that brand new song we sang? So good. The blood of Jesus and all is done to bring us freedom and deliverance. And so when we talk about evangelism, evangelism is really the proclamation of the kingdom of God in the fullness of his blessing and promise, which is also called salvation. That word salvation, we talked about this in a previous sermon series. It's the word sozo. 110 times that word is used. It means to be saved or rescued from Satan's power and restored into the wholeness and well-being of God's order and blessing, all right? What Jesus promises in the kingdom is salvation, healing, deliverance, and the favor of God upon your life. That's what we get when we say yes to Christ and we make him our king, all right? And this is what Jesus preached, amnesty. You don't have to be a rebel traitor. You can have amnesty. You can be reinstated as your full status as sons and daughters, and you can uh, bring the kingdom life and all of its fullness into your reality and into your presence. So let's end with this. I want us to look at the ministry and mission of Jesus I've made this point. I want you to really get it because most of us have been raised in churches that preached a salvation-only gospel. We preach the message of salvation. Some of you, if you came from, for instance, Baptist churches, which have a strong soul-winning uh, passion, praise the Lord for the Baptists. All you Baptists out there, praise the Lord for you guys. But I've heard Baptists tell me, you know, every week we went to church, all we heard about was a salvation message, and everybody in the church was already saved. Now, imagine going to church every Sunday when a whole church is saved and all you're hearing about is how to be saved, and then you get an altar call at the end to get saved. But everybody's saved. The good news is it's not just a salvation message, although that's a critical part of it. That's the open door. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And if I asked you, trick question, does Jesus preach the salvation gospel? The answer is no. Oh, pastor's a heretic. No, I'm not a heretic. Jesus preached, read it, open up the New Testament. It's everywhere. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. Well, pastor, was that just a few isolated scriptures? Well, how about 55 times in the gospel of Matthew? How about 20 times in Mark? How about 45 times in Luke? And let's not leave John out. Five times in the Gospel of John. So, I mean, you know, that's no small thing I'm saying. This is a big focus. It is the main message Jesus is bringing. In fact, let's take a look. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We're going to start reading at verse 40. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. That's right. Amen. I talked to you about the power of the testimony. 
If God has done something in someone's life and they testify about it, it releases faith in your heart because if God's done it once, God can do it again. I, so I'm just going to read this because this is the testimony of God Almighty. It's in the Bible. It's Scripture. It's inspired. Hear this, please. No matter what their diseases were, that is a big testimony. So this is why we're always prisoners of hope. Pastor, my friend has such and such. It's bad, but it's not final. No matter what they had, Jesus touched, and he's still touching people today. And so the first physician we go to is Jesus because nothing is impossible for him. And can I just share with you, you know, part of what we do in worship is we're in an atmosphere where we're singing songs about the greatness of God, about the goodness of God, about the power of God. And we know what I'm talking about. We create this atmosphere through our praise where the Holy Spirit is pregnant in a place, all right, waiting to be asked, waiting to be Grass, waiting, waiting to, to have those prayers of people go up that say, I need help, because he's waiting to minister to God's people. And when you're in the presence of the faithful one, your heart gets filled with faith. This is why atmosphere is important. People say, well, why don't you just go out there now and just pray for sick people? How come everybody doesn't get healed? Atmosphere is very important. When you're in an atmosphere where the presence of God is tangible and moving and manifest, it's amazing how miracles break out in a place. And I'm telling you, I'm believing the fullness of what I'm preaching about is still coming, all right? Uh, I believe we're in for an earth-encompassing harvest that the Lord wants to be a part of. And and let me just share an example. You know, uh, how how many have heard of missionary Heidi Baker? All right, anybody? Heidi Baker out there? All right. So they go literally into villages in Africa, in Mozambique, where nobody knows Jesus, not a clue, never heard. And sometimes the Lord would speak to her and say, invite people if they know somebody in their family who's deaf. Have them bring the deaf children or deaf people here. Now again, imagine you don't have a Bible, you don't know who Jesus is, you don't know the story. But somebody's coming saying, Jesus is here, and Jesus wants you all to know him. And he wants to demonstrate his goodness. And so they'll bring mothers with children who have never heard. They're born deaf. Sometimes it's demonic. Sometimes it's physical. But it's all demonic because it all comes from the fall. And all of a sudden, she would pray over a child that's never heard, and the ears pop open, and the baby eyes get open. Have you ever seen those, those videos? I bawl every time. And now all of a sudden... She's saying, this child was healed in the name of Jesus. Who wants to receive Jesus into your life? Because all the resistance is gone. And they're all going, wait, I know someone that needs a touch. I know someone, I wait, my neighbor, her child. And, And before you know it, there's this pandemonium breaking loose because the good news, the kingdom of God has come into that community. 
and all the demonic strongholds that have been terrorizing all these people for all these years, those demonic strongholds come down. See, remember, the purpose of a sign is to tell you how to get somewhere. Why does Jesus do these signs? Because they point you somewhere. They point you to him. They point you to the Father's heart. Let's keep reading. Luke chapter 4, verse 41. Many who were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, you're the Son of God, you're the Son of God. I mean, you know, that's a power encounter right there. They're, they're recognizing a higher authority because they knew he was the Messiah. And what did Jesus do? Did he have discussions with them? No. He told them, shut up, and, and refused to let them speak. In fact, many times he's like, shut up. The announcement that I'm the Messiah is not come yet. I need to keep doing some stuff, and I got some business to take care of. Shut up. He already had John. The, John the Baptist was his PR director. He didn't, need the, he didn't need the demons to help him out. All right. So everywhere he went, Jesus preaches the gospel of the kingdom. And I'll close with this. Equally amazing is Jesus' focus on the kingdom during his post-resurrection ministry. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 3. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now, <laughs> if you know you got 40 days, and then you're gone, and then you're entrusting the mission to these guys, you're going to be thinking, what is it that I really, really need to leave with you? Right? I mean, you're going to boil down the message, and you're going to be sharing the most important message that you could possibly share. And what is the only message, according to the Scriptures, Jesus talked about? The kingdom of God. So what should we be doing today? Let me tell you the good news about this amazing Savior King. And this amazing kingdom you can live in, it's better than living in the United States of America. It's the kingdom of God. No matter who's elected, it doesn't matter the reality of the kingdom of God. No matter what's going on out there, it doesn't change the reality of the kingdom of God. It doesn't change that we're living in the year of the Lord's favor. Stand to your feet. I want to bless you. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you that Jesus declared, now is the appointed time. We're forgiven. We're free. We're empowered. We're, we're put on mission. And, Lord, we're living under your favor and your blessing. And so, Father, as we go here today, leave this place. We're moving out as sons and daughters, beloved sons and daughters, full of the Holy Spirit. Use us, Lord, to defeat the enemy's kingdom, to trample him under our feet in your name, and to see the gospel of the kingdom advance in our time. Right now, in our watch, as we're ambassadors, right here in this season of history, Lord, use us for your glory. Bless the fun, the fellowship, the celebrations that will happen throughout the rest of this weekend. Bless the United States of America, God. Turn our nation back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouted, amen. amen. All right, have a great day.